Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. For a little while this morning, I want to speak on the pandemic promises for powerful progress. The pandemic promises for powerful progress. I love that picture that you see there. It's a hole in the ceiling and the floor below. Uh, This is a picture from the Mamertinum prison in Rome, Italy. And most, um, most Christians do not go to the Mamertinum prison when they're in Rome. Um, I think it's the, my opinion, it's the most important spot in all of Rome, but uh, people visit uh, the Pantheon, uh, they visit the iconic Colosseum, they go to the Vatican, they go to other places, beautiful places throughout the beautiful city of, of Rome. But every time I go, I make sure I go to the Mamertinum prison. And I've taken my wife there many years ago. I took a dear friend there last February. And I have taken my two lovely daughters uh, there as well. If you could imagine in your mind's eye, uh, the Rome, the forum, the city of Rome, and the main street in Rome, over to the far left was the iconic Colosseum that you still see today and, and there are there were tens of thousands of people that would come there and they would feed Christians to the lions there it's always interesting to me Christians love to go there I never figured that out maybe they just don't believe what they've read but on the far other side of the forum was the Mamertinum prison now, when you go to Rome, there's thousands that are visiting every day the, uh, the Colosseum. Maybe a hundred visit the Mamertinum prison. In the prison there is where Paul would write First and Second Timothy. He would write Ephesians. Some believe that he also wrote Philippians there. And so when I go, I don't dart in and out. I spend some time there. If you could throw that picture back up, I want to show the people something. When you, when you look at the top, that's a hole there. Um, that's where they would drop the prisoners through the hole down into the prison. They would have dropped the Apostle Paul through that hole down into the bottom of that prison. And he would have spent a considerable amount of time writing those letters. And when I'm there, I love to read when he says, I've fought a good fight of faith. I have finished the course. The race is done. I'm getting ready to receive my reward. Don't you want to be able to say, I finished my race? Not your race, not his race, not her race, but you finished your race? He said, I have finished my race. My race is done. I've fought a good fight. (laughs) I'm getting ready to receive my eternal reward. Paul was running to win. And I believe even in this time of pandemic, we are running to win. God wants us to be victorious in this time. And Peter is writing to the church. 
and there are, there are trials and tests that are coming to the church. Christians are being persecuted and maligned and killed. And it was a terrible time to be a Christian in the first century. They were feeding Christians to the lions and cheering the, on in the crowd. Uh, they, they talked about tolerance but had no tolerance for the people of God. And you know, usually the people who yell the loudest about you need to have tolerance, they're not very tolerant of the Christian who says there's only one way to heaven. So you need to understand they don't even believe what they pontificate. It's just rhetoric. It's just hot air. And we're living in a time when it's getting more and more uncomfortable to be a Christian in the marketplace, in the arena of ideas. And Peter was writing and he said, you're going to walk through trials and tests. And he's giving an encouraging word to them. And even in the midst of this pandemic, I believe God wants to give us an encouraging word. And I hope that what God has been putting on my heart, he'll write on your heart. I hope that maybe you'll consider taking a few notes and when you get home, you'll uh, put it on your refrigerator door. You say, why should I put it there? Because we go there every day. Some go there more than others. And when you go, take a few seconds to rehearse the promises that God has given to you. First of all, we are strategically located. Uh, Peter says at the beginning, he names different towns or cities where the people of God are. And God has his people everywhere. And just because I may not know where they are doesn't mean that God doesn't have his people already there. God has his people everywhere. Peter says, we are strategically located. We are scattered, he said. We are scattered as strangers. Uh, we've got believers all over the world that we don't know. But just because we don't know them doesn't mean they're not our brother and they're not our sister. I remember some years ago I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, speaking for a particular church and had a great time there and and as I was pulling in, I noticed the first church of the Nazarene across the street. And I was sharing with the, the pastoral staff and team that afternoon. And, and afterwards, I said, hey, I think when I leave, I'm going to just drive across the street and greet the pastor and, and um, just let him know how much we appreciate him. And, and the team said, or the pastor said, I would rather you not, not do that. I said, why is that? He said, well, I, I've been pastoring here for a number of years and I've not been over there to meet him yet. And I said, you, you do understand we're all on the same team, don't you? <clears throat> you do understand he's going to be in the same line in heaven with you, don't you? Wouldn't that, I said, wouldn't it be interesting if he was standing right next to you in the line? I said, you know, if you're going to win Raleigh to Jesus, you're going to have to have him and a lot more like him. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's really too late in the day to be arguing about little things. It's really just too late in the day to say more and more about less and less. 
It's just too late in the day to say, well, you're in and you're out because you believe this way, you don't believe that way. I'm here to tell you, my friend, we're on the verge of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming soon. Hallelujah. It's too late in the day. You know, if the Titanic's going down, who cares if the chairs are oak or something else? It doesn't matter. You know, we're scattered as strangers. Not only scattered as strangers, but we're scattered as seed. We're to be seed everywhere we go. We are to bear fruit. We are to have a root, a shoot of fruit. And some people talk about their roots, but they have no fruits. We are to bear fruit. When we walk into a dark room, the room ought to get brighter. Some people walk in the room, the room did get darker. And when they leave, the room gets brighter. We ought to, we ought to be filled with the light of His presence everywhere we go. We are also scattered as saints. He calls them saints. Now, we don't oftentimes use that terminology in the church culture today. Sometimes we may say brother or sister or, or just Mr. or Mrs. Or some call somebody by their first name. But do you know it would be all right when we leave after a while to walk up and say, hello, St. Sally. Hello, St. Robert. Hello, St. James. Hello, St. Daryl. It'd be all right because in the eyes of the Lord, we're saints. That's how much the Lord loves us. We are saints of the Most High God. We are strategically located. Secondly, we are specially loved. You know, he talks about how much God loves us. And you know, even in the time of the challenges we've been walking through, God's love has been so real to us, has it not? Hasn't God provided in ways you didn't see coming? Hasn't the Lord put peace in your heart in ways that you didn't have before? And is it not true we learned to prioritize some things in the time of this pandemic. You know, we are specially loved. We were planned by the Father. Peter says, God's mercy was wrapped up in his foreknowledge. Before you were born, God saw you. Before you entered into first grade, God saw you. Before you ever accomplished your first big thing, God saw you. There is nothing that ever catches God by surprise. When the, Holy, when, the, when the pandemic started, the Holy Trinity didn't look at one another in glory and say, you know, that wasn't on the calendar. That, that, we, we didn't see that coming. There are no surprises in heaven. There are no problems in heaven. Only plans for our lives. And the Father has planned our life. We were planned by the Father. We are produced by the Spirit. He says, we are born again. And the only way that a man or woman can be born again is by the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, the Spirit of God is at work in our salvation. And we were purchased by the Savior. Uh, Peter says, sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. He's making reference to the, what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. 
My friend, Jesus Christ loved us that he gave us his all. When Jesus Christ died, he died in a finite period of time for an infinite number of sins. My friend, Jesus Christ loves this world. Every once in a while, my, one of my daughters may say, Dad, I hate the weather, or I hate the traffic. I say to my children, save your hate for the devil. You may dislike the traffic. You may not like the weather. But we as a family, we hate the devil. We hate evil. And I want you to know, Jesus Christ would die if it was just one person on planet Earth. Jesus loves all seven and a half billion people on this planet. There's not a thing that this world could do to stop Jesus Christ from loving this entire world. And sometimes we pick up an offense we pick up an offense. I'm glad the Lord doesn't pick up an offense with me. I'm glad when I stumble, he doesn't say, well, you're done. You're, that's over. I'm glad I have a way of coming back and getting it cleaned up. And somebody said, amen. Oh, my friend, we are specially loved. And, you know, we have privileges. God has given us privileges. And, you know, um, in the midst of this pandemic, you might also find ways to smile Find ways to laugh because just because you frown doesn't mean it's going to make it go away faster. So you might as well find a way to enjoy it. Back last April, I was flying out of Orlando, Florida. And uh, this was uh, during the beginning of the apex, headed up and higher and higher. And I was uh, flying out to be with a pastor friend in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, as he wanted me to come be with him. And I was going to be there for four days, flying on a Saturday, flying back home on a, on a Thursday. And, and so, you know, I've flown a lot and traveled a lot and over the years. And so my wife, my girls took me out to the Orlando airport. And I think we were the only car on the curb that day. And got out of the car and walked into the airport. If I saw 50 people in that entire expanse, I saw a lot of people. And I walked up to TSA and uh, said to the gentleman, he's a great guy, I said, uh, how, how busy you been this week? And he said, he said, Mr. Davis, this is the busiest we've been. I said, well, if this is the busiest you've been, wow. And because um, I've been there when it's like a three-ring circus and more in the Orlando airport. And so with the pandemic going on, I, there was nobody there. With the pandemic going on, I went through TSA, check in about 30 seconds. And I got on the other side, and if you've ever been to Orlando Airport, you know there are trams that take you out to the terminals. Well, I had my own private tram that would take me all the way out, all the way out to the terminal. And then I, I was the only one walking. You know, people say, you need to stay six feet. Well, I could stay 600 feet. That wasn't a problem. And I was walking through the uh, concourse, and <clears throat> it was time to board. I saw seven people getting ready to board. And so we got on the plane, and and there was a few flight attendants on a 757, one of the little larger planes. And about seven people and some flight attendants on the entire flight. It was so open. You could throw the football back and forth. You could have had a little preseason match. You could do all kinds of stuff. And I flew all the way to Charlotte, made a connection. There were less people on the next flight going to Harrisburg. And so when I landed, I, I got off the plane. I thought, wow, man, private plane, you know, empty uh, this. And so I walked over to go to the Hertz car rental in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I was just chatting with a guy. And, and um, he, he, I said, um, how are things going? He said, man, it's unbelievable. It's just, just dead quiet. 
And I said, yeah, son, it should find my name there. He said, yeah, I see it. He said, you can have any car you want. And, uh, you know, he opened the door. I said, uh, are you serious? Any car? He said, absolutely. Any car you want. I, I figured he's just happy to talk to a human being, you know. I, and so I, I said, well, do you have any Cadillacs? You know, you have not because you ask not. And he said, we have three. What color would you like? I said, do you have a midnight blue? He said, we happen to have one. I said, that sounds great. I thought, wow, pandemic, Cadillac. So I get in the car and I drive over to the hotel and nice lady sitting on, standing on the other side of the, of the plastic thing. And, and uh, I said, how busy are you tonight? She said, uh, James, uh, James says, you're the only one staying here in the hotel tonight. I said, really? I said, you know, I'm used to only getting a room, but I get an entire hotel tonight. And I said, this is incredible. And I thought to myself, if this goes on for a long time, I'm, my expectation level is going to go up. Uh, when I walk into any airport, I'm expecting us to empty it out. I want to be the only one going through TSA. I want a private tram that'll take me out to the concourse. I'll take a private plane that'll take me here or there. And then I just want to pick the car that I want. And instead of staying in Abram, I want an entire hotel. I want you to know you miles will enjoy the ride. You miles will enjoy it because... Even Paul said from the Mamertine in prison, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. So we are specially loved. Number three, we are internally secure. We're internally secure. Peter says, in the time of these testings and trials, God is undergirding you and God is taking care of you. I didn't say unconditionally eternally secure. I said I am eternally secure in Jesus Christ. I believe as a Christian, we are immortal until God is finished with us. I really believe that. You find out God's path for you, you get on it. You stay on God's path. You get God's providence, His provision, and direction in your life as you need it. And so, we are secure. Even in the time of pandemic, God is still working it out for our good and for His glory. He really is. And even though we may not understand it all now, God is still pulling all these things together. And so we don't need to allow fear to grip our life. We ought to be wise. You know, I don't want to play with snakes, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to ever take a walk in the woods. Uh, this past week, about a four-foot snake parked in front of our front door of our house. And I know if I say snake, everything in the house changes. And, uh, and so I said, open the door. Oh, there's a snake. Everything in the house changed. And, um, and I kind of smiled about it. They, they tried to kill it, and he got away. And we'll see him again. He'll come back around. But just because there's some snakes around doesn't mean we're never going to go out of the house. I could say, well, you know, when they get rid of all the snakes in Florida, we'll venture out. Good luck with that. Be a long wait. And so I can't let fear grip my life. Amen? Doesn't mean we aren't wise. I'm concerned about drunken drivers, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to drive back home this afternoon. I could say, well, I'm going to get behind the wheel of my car after you get rid of all the drunken drivers. Well, that's not going to work out very good. And so we, we, don't allow, we don't walk by fear. We don't walk by presumption. We walk with wisdom and faith, believing God to put the affairs of our life together. 
Some time ago, a businessman was getting on a plane, and, and it was a packed flight. He noticed a young girl in front of him, maybe 8 to 10 years old, and, and the plane got on up, and, and, and then they went into a terrible thunderstorm. Usually they can get around them, but sometimes they have to go through part of it. And, and so the plane was jerking back and forth and going up and down, and you can see the lightning flashing. And Usually when you get in a situation like that, the plane gets kind of quiet. It's a good time to sing. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this plane. It's a good, it's a good time to do that. It's a good time to reach over and say to your neighbor, how well is your soul? It's a good time to do that. Because they're interested when they're 40,000 feet up and the lightning's flashing. And uh, the businessman noticed the young girl in front was singing. She was singing along. And, and when the plane would jerk, she'd laugh a little bit. And he thought, man, I don't feel that way. I'm hoping we'll make it through this flight and land. I'll get home. And she was enjoying the ride. And so when the plane landed, as they were getting their stuff, he leaned over and began a conversation with her. And he said, I noticed that during this flight, uh, when we got back in that terrible storm, she said, yeah. She, he said, I noticed that you kind of enjoyed it. And you were singing a little bit, humming and laughing and how were you able to do that? The rest of us, we were really concerned. She said, sir, it was really quite easy. He said, well, would you please tell me the secret? She said, I'll be glad to tell you. She said, my dad is the pilot of this plane tonight. And my dad told me when we got on board, go sit down. You're going to be all right. I'm going to take you home and I'm going to tuck you in bed tonight. And my dad has always kept his word to me. And even in the midst of that storm, I knew dad was ahead of this plane and he wasn't going to let me down. He was going to land us safely and he'll tuck me in bed tonight. Now, can I tell you folks, God Almighty is still in control of this world and God is going to take care of your life. He he is going to take care of your life and you know every once in a while I hear somebody say this world is headed to the devil that is not true the Bible says in Hebrews 1 1 that the Lord is bearing this earth and he's going to sit it down at the throne of God I want you to know there's not a drop of water that falls without his permission there's not a blade of grass that blows without his permission and God will order your steps and your stops and he he will give you security and victory in Jesus Christ hallelujah oh we are eternally secure Go to bed tonight knowing that God has control of it all. Oh, my friend, we are eternally secure. Number four, we are incredibly rich. You said, now, wait a minute, James. I was with you on that eternal security stuff, but you said I'm incredibly rich. My bank account doesn't say that. Well, you're just reading the wrong ledger. You say, well, my retirement account doesn't report that. You're looking at the wrong set of books. We are incredibly wealthy. We are incredibly rich. Peter talks about it. He says our wealth is faultless. Our wealth is flawless. Our wealth is fadeless. He says our inheritance he says, is imperishable. He says, our inheritance is in heaven. He says, this world is passing away. 
And folks, this world is passing away. And all the gold with it. And all the stocks with it. And with all the silver and precious stones, every bit of it is passing away. You'll never see a U-Haul attached to the hearse on the way to the cemetery. Everything we are, we're taking to God. Everything we own, we are going to leave here. Peter says, we are incredibly wealthy. He said, while this world is passing away, our inheritance is in heaven. The Lord has given us something beyond comprehension. When Michael Jordan was playing basketball for the Chicago Bulls, many people said that Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time. I'm not here to debate that, but I will say this. He sure could play basketball. And at the peak of his, of his career, he uh, was getting paid $300,000 per basketball game. $300,000 to play an hour. Uh, then with all of his endorsements, between $40 and $50 million a year in endorsements, he was making, at the peak of his career, $178,000 per day. Now, I don't know about you, but I think if I was to cut some expenses, I could live on that. I think I, think I could make it. It'd be, it'd be tough for the Davis family, but we'd take a run at it. If he wanted to take his wife out to go see a film while he's watching the film, he'd make $18,000. If he wanted to sacrifice and buy himself a $90,000 to $100,000 sports car in 12 hours, he could do that. It'd be a hard sacrifice, but he could do it in 12 hours. If he wanted to get up and fix breakfast, go to the stove and fry an egg, take five minutes, he'd make $618 while he's frying an egg. That's how much money Michael Jordan was making. But for Michael Jordan to catch up with the wealth of the founder of Microsoft, Bill Gates, he would have to save every dime that he earned for 270 years at a rate of 178000 a day to become as wealthy as Bill Gates. If he's going to catch up with Mr. Bezos, the founder of Amazon, and I pray that God will save that man. He needs Jesus. He may be wealthy, but he is poor in spirit. And, but to catch up with Mr. Bezos, it would take 325 years, saving everything he had at a rate of 178000 a day to catch up with Mr. Bezos. But the richest person on the earth is not here in North America. The richest person is the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. His wealth, known wealth, is $1.3 trillion. Now, if Michael is going to catch up with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, it would take him 3,000 years at a rate of 178,000 savings per day. And if he could do that for 3,000 years, 
he could catch up with the wealth in Saudi Arabia. Now, I can't count that high, but I will say this. $1.3 trillion is a lot of money. On one particular occasion, a businessman was helping develop a college, a university in Saudi Arabia, and they signed an agreement with the crown prince. It took a number of years. They signed an agreement what the fees would be and the cost would be, and, and so they formed and fashioned a university there. And then when it was finished and it was opened up, the crown prince and this particular businessman here in the U.S., uh, he's from Massachusetts, met and said, it's always our uh, way of expressing thankfulness is to give a special gift to someone like you, to express our real appreciation for all you've done. What would you like to have as a gift? And you know, sometimes we don't have a good enough imagination, do we? So he looks at the, the crown prince and he says, a golf club will be fine. And so he flies home and weeks go by. He's thinking, is it going to be a solid gold golf club? What's, what's the crown prince going to give me? Finally, a special package came in and he opened it up. It's one of these Federal Express international packages. And it was the title deed to 600 acres of a country club, a golf club, in the name of the businessman. Now, sometimes when we come to God, we think he's bankrupt. Sometimes when we come to God, we don't think he can really take care of us. Sometimes when we come to God, we ask for the little thing when he's asking, give, ask for the big thing. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, God wants to take care of every one of us in this time of pandemic. Don't be timid when you come to God. Come to God and ask Him what is on your heart. And with faith, He will answer your prayer. He will. Oh, we are incredibly rich. And we need to realize that our wealth is being banked in the portals of God's glory. Number five, we are purposefully tested. He, Peter says, these tests have come on purpose. You know, we all want the testimony. We just don't want the test. But you see, when you pass the test, you get the testimony. It, we, it doesn't, you don't get one part without the other part. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And he says, Peter says, we're going to be tested. He, this, he says, this shouldn't catch you by surprise. We will walk through trials. We will walk through tests. But Peter says, it's just getting you ready for your move-in day into the portals of God's glory. It's just getting us ready. We've learned to hold the things of this world loosely in our hands. Um, a few months ago, in the midst of this pandemic, my, uh, my oldest daughter was fixing a cup of coffee, and, and, uh, and I have some coffee cups that I've collected over the years from many places around the world. And, and there's this one particular one that I picked up when I was in Jamestown a couple years ago and, and um, visited Jamestown speaking on Sunday. And so I picked up this cup, and, and um, I didn't use it very much, but she wanted to kind of do something special. And, and so she's putting it together, and, 
and accidentally that cup fell and it, and it hit the ground and just smashed into pieces. And she started crying. She's now 20. She was 19 at the time. I went over my arm around Olivia is her name. I said, Olivia, it's really no big deal. The pieces of this world are all passing away. We need to learn to hold these things lightly in our hands. I'm here to tell you, my dear friend, that in the time of testing, in the time of trials, it just helps us to get ready to move in. There is going to be a great big move-in day when the people of God come marching in to the kingdom of God and have eternal life forever and forever and forever. Oh, my friend, we are purposely tested. Six and last, we are joyfully expectant. We're joyfully expectant. What does Peter say? He said, even though we don't see him now talking about Jesus, we are joyful. He says, and one day his revelation, his appearing will come and we will be joyful. We're joyful now because we're expecting something and we're expecting someone. We are joyful because we know that God is pulling all these pieces together. And you know, we, we usually get what we expect to get. If we expect to get a little, that's about what we'll get. If we expect him to let us down, you know what? He probably will. We come to church and we expect to get nothing. Well, you probably won't. You know, we usually get what we expect to get. And you see, we're living in a time when we ought to be joyfully expectant. I believe God does his best in the time of trial and testing. I believe God provides in unique ways when we walk through problems and difficulties. We should get up in the morning expecting to walk in the presence of the Lord. How do you begin your morning? Do you begin your morning looking at the bad, ugly news? Or do you begin your morning with the expectation this could be the day that Jesus Christ comes? You know, when you get up with that expectation, your view is so different. You can either choose to live your life down in a valley or you can live your life on a mountain peak. Those who live their life by faith on a mountain peak, they see the sun a lot earlier than the others and they get to enjoy it a lot more than the others. How do you expect your day to go? I expect the Lord to visit me today. I expect to be a little stronger in Christ today. I expect my faith to grow a little more today. I expect to learn a little bit more today. I expect to make a new friend today. I expect to love Jesus more today than I did yesterday. And you know what? When you have that kind of expectation, that's usually what you'll get. In this time of pandemic, we ought to be joyfully expectant. When somebody walks up to you and says, well, how are you doing? Well, don't just say, well, I'm just trying to survive. Oh, say, I am joyfully expectant something great to happen in my life today. In the time of pandemic, it's also the church's greatest moment. Pastor Darrell made reference about 20 years ago, we launched the, the network. And, and Pastor Darrell has been to every one of the Synergize conferences over the years. And next year, We'll be celebrating uh, another one. It'll be 20 years. And um, 
every once in a while, some people ask me, so, well, James, how long is the ministry being online? We went online in 2002. We began online training in 2002. We've been online 19 years. When the pandemic came, nothing changed. We kept doing online, just did it better. And, and when we launched the network, Pastor Darrell was there at First Baptist. People said, you'll never get it off the ground. People called Dr. Bright and called me and said, you ought to cancel. 9-11 just happened. Nobody's going to come. Yada, yada. If I had a dollar for everybody said it wouldn't work, wouldn't fly, I would almost be as wealthy as Bill Gates. Maybe not quite. But you got to get past the naysayers. You got to get past the ones who say it won't work. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they told the Wright brothers, that thing will never fly. They said, watch us. We'll put it in the air. And they had to figure it out. I'm sure they told Thomas Edison, you'll never figure out the light bulb. Well, give me a thousand tries and I'll get it figured out. And on the thousand plus try, he did figure it out. But in those early days, we were launching the network and God helped us. But in July of 2003, it was, it was twilight days for Bill Bright. He was going to be going to be with the Lord July 19, 2003. It's hard to believe how many years he's been gone. And, and we were having a nationwide conference call. And every time I would call Dr. Bright or go by and see him in Orlando, I would say to Dr. Bright, how you doing? He would always say, I am rejoicing. Every time. Same words. And, and he was gradually getting weaker with pulmonary fibrosis, hardening of the lungs. And every time I saw him, he would say, I am rejoicing. Even when I saw him last time, eight days before his graduation day, and I wanted him to pray and lay hands on my uh, daughter, Olivia. I only have one at that time. We have two now. I wanted him to pray for her. And, and he was very weak. And he said, James, I am rejoicing. I'm getting ready to meet God himself. And we were having a nationwide phone call about two weeks before that graduation day. And there were wonderful men and women on that call. And, and the late Adrian Rogers was on the call. And, and so Adrian says to Bill, they've been friends 40 years. Um, tell everybody, Bill, who call, called you on Monday night. Oh, no, it's no, no, no big deal, Adrian. No, you need to tell everybody uh, that President Bush gave you a call on Monday night. And he, so Bill spoke up and he said, yeah, that's true. Um, President Bush called. He, he knew I wasn't feeling the best and... He won that prayer with me, and, and we spent some time conversing and sharing and there on the, on the call. And, and then Dr. Bright said this. He said, you know, in January of this year, which has been 2003, I set some personal goals. I wanted to get all the remaining books written, and I wrote 15 books this year in seven months. I wanted to get all the video training done um, for the next generation, and James helped me, and I did. Every other week, we would videotape for 40 hours every other week. And we, we worked on the training. We worked on the books. We worked on the network. We've been passing stuff on to the next generation and been working really hard. And, but you know, I'm getting ready to, to meet the king of the universe. I'm getting ready to meet the great I am. 
I'm getting ready to meet the one who spoke the word and all the worlds are formed. I'm getting ready to meet my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the very first time. And you know, when you're getting ready to meet God, getting a, pres getting a phone call from the president, it's really not that big of a deal. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to meet the Lord soon. We're going to see him face to face. We've heard a lot of sermons about him. We've read the Bible about him. We've been to seminars about him. But one day, we're going to see him. One day, we're going to breathe heavenly oxygen. One day, there'll be no more funeral services. One day, there'll be no more people get incurable diseases. One day is coming, there'll be no more broken hearts and broken homes. There's coming a day when the graves will give up their dead, when the sea will give up their dead. There's coming a day that those which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. I'm here to tell you, we are joyfully expectant. We believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon. And until he comes, we're going to do our best to make him known to all of the earth. And my dear friend today, no matter what we're walking through, Christ is walking through with us. And he wants to encourage us and renew us in this time. Would you please stand with me in this sacred gathering today? So heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this service. And those online participate with us as well. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I, I count it a privilege to um, preach and teach with Pastor Strickland preaches faithfully week after week after week after week. I thank God for this church. I love this church. If it wasn't so far, my family and I had talked about making this church our home church. We love this church. I thank God for the ministry and, and the focus of Oxford Assembly. I don't know what you may be facing today. I understand we've, we have a virus in the world. But God's still at work. We have a virus in the world, but that doesn't mean we can't move forward. We have to move forward. The worst place for us to be is where God was. We don't want to go back to where God was. We want to move forward to where God is. And God's doing a work in the is today. And God wants to renew us, renew us. And he wants to make clear to each of us the path that we are to walk. We're not trying to eliminate, we're trying to navigate. We're trying with faith to move forward. And I ask you in Jesus' name to say, Lord, renew my mind, my soul, my spirit. And Lord, make my path clear and help me by faith to walk it out every day. In a moment, I'm gonna count the three and if you can say, with transparency before the Lord. Lord, in this time, renew me, renew my mind, my soul, my spirit, and make the path by which you want me to walk clear for me each and every day. When I count to three, if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand, and my hand will be the first one that will go up today. One, 
two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just keep it up. Dear Heavenly Father, you see the hands that are lifted all across this sacred gathering. I pray, Lord God, that you minister to my brothers and to my sisters, that you will do an abundant work in their heart and in their life. Lord God, I pray that you will open up the windows of heaven, that you will pour out, like you did on the flood, pour out in a measure that cannot be counted. Lord, I pray that you will meet every, every need and then some. God, provide for physical, financial, emotional, and domestic needs. Lord, you know the need of each and every one of us. We'll ask you, Lord, to stretch forth your hand and do that dynamic work in a marvelous and mighty way. And Lord, we'll be careful to praise you for it. And Lord, we also pray for our church as a whole. We pray, oh God, that you expand the boundaries and the borders and the blessings of Oxford Assembly of God. Lord, we pray for 2021 that this will be the absolute greatest year in the history of this church. Lord, we pray that more people will be saved than ever, more people healed than ever, more people baptized in water and in spirit than ever. Lord, we pray that you will prosper the church and give us victory. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen and amen. Isn't the Lord wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? Amen. Thank you for listening to the OAG podcast. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G.org.